coaches. Today, before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, CoachPad. Uh, no matter if you draw scout cards by hand or use a program on your computer, CoachPad will give you back time by never stuffing a binder again before heading out to practice. First 13.3-inch electronic device allowing coaches to clearly display scout cards outdoors in the sun has been a game changer for programs this past fall and those currently playing all across the country. This new technology allows coaches to coach and not the monotonous task of stuffing and dealing with binders on the practice field. Check out the CoachPad and CoachPad Mini on thecoachpad.com. Please make sure you check out our sponsors, our affiliates, and here is another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. This will be the first podcast airing since that I haven't that I've, I've filmed this count calendar year since like July, June, somewhere in there. Um, today we have uh, the head football coach of the ten and one uh, Xenia Buccaneers, uh, Coach Maurice Harden, or as better I call him, Momo. Uh, coach, how you doing? I'm good, Baser. How are you, man? Doing good, brother. Doing good. Um, I mean, I mean, first let's let, let's start this way. I mean. Obviously, the season did not end the way you want. I mean, there, that's no secret. I mean, anytime you don't have a state championship in your hand, it never ends the way you want, if we're honest. Um, but overall, how how was the 10-1 season? How'd that go for you? Um, overall, I think it went really good. Um, you know, obviously, you know, injuries happen, things happen uh, that don't go your way. So you have to just kind of uh, deal with it uh, and kind of move on and use it as a teachable moment. I think um, what we did this year and what we uh, tried to focus on uh, was building uh, what I want to say is a championship program. So laying the foundation uh, for us to have success consistently. You know, I always say there's a difference between being a good team and being a program, you know. And for me, um, our mantra this year was brick by brick. So for me, it was all about laying that foundation and doing all the little things the right way and setting expectations so that we can put ourselves, you know, in an advantageous position to be successful. And I felt like we did that, but it all started with us in the weight room. It all started with our first year having a, a, a um, first year really having an off season. Um, you know, that, that was huge, you know, for me when I got hired the first year, um, you know, it was about February, middle of March, you know, and you're trying to make drastic changes, not only from a program standpoint, but from a schematic standpoint. And, uh, you know, they were running a triple before I got there. So you, you, you take the triple, um, you know, and the wing T kind of offense, and you try to morph that from uh, a spread, power spread, you know, with RPO, second level, third level reads. You know, that was just a lot for our kids to grasp and understand what that's supposed to look like, you know, you know, how we do things defensively and how we bring pressure from different areas and stuff like that. That was just a different, um, a different scheme for our kids to learn uh, and know what to do and how to do it effectively. Everybody asked me, you know, what's the difference between year one and year two? And that's pretty much what it was is our kids understood our scheme better. They understood our expectations better. Practice wasn't new to them. The weight room wasn't new to them. How we ran study tables wasn't new to them. 
So because of that, that getting that familiarity with what we do, I felt like that helped breed uh, the success. <clears throat> so you hit it on a little bit right there. It was going to be my next question year one or year two. I mean, you obviously saw massive growth, um, both physically, mentally, just overall. Like, I mean, I, we, I eat seven on seven to you both years. And I, I saw massively the growth from, especially defensively where you guys were um, year one to year two. What after your first season, what what when you looked at okay, what your offseason had to be to get to this point, how what approach did you have to take? What changes did you have to make to help improve and show the growth that you did from year one to year two? I think what we try to do, you know, I, I think as football coaches, sometimes we make things a lot more complicated than we need to. Uh, so, and I'm a big component of less is more. Uh, and, you know, if you can just focus on, you know, a couple of things and get really, really good at a couple of things, and that allows your kids to really focus and play faster. Um, you know, like I said, in year one, everything was new. So everything was just spanking brand new, the, the, run, the run game concepts and pass game, RPOs, just everything was just so, 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 so. Um, new for all our kids to try to grasp and understand. So when we got in the offseason, uh, one thing that I thought we did a really good job of is not only with the stuff we didn't waiver, but we pared down what we did a little bit. You know, so it wasn't like, <clears throat> you know, from a run game standpoint, you know, you got your gap scheme, your man scheme, you got uh, your pin and pull stuff, you got inside zone outside, you got all these different idiosyncrasies. We just said, all right, we're going to focus on this, uh, you know, run scheme this week and harp on it, harp on it, harp on it, and learn this and understand this. And I felt like because we did that, our kids did a better job of really understanding where they were supposed to go and what they were supposed to do. So just paring down the information, simplifying it so that the kids understood what to do, and the less they had to learn, uh, the more they played a lot faster. Um, and that's really what happened for us. Like people are like, you know, well, you ran the ball so well, like, yeah, but if you really knew how many, uh, run calls we actually had, you'd be very surprised, yeah. you know, yeah. um, just being honest. So, you know, if you knew how many blitzes or how many stunts, whatever it is, we actually ran, you'd be surprised. You know, we simplified things, didn't get the kids too much and allowed our kids to just play faster, um, on both sides of the ball. Now, I, I mean, obviously your speciality is, I mean, the weight room. I mean, you you have built at the CTC a, a not just, it's not just a weight and strength training, but like an overall physiology and um, mm -hmm. training uh, program at CTC. And you've carried that over to, you have your own strength coach and working with him. And like I said, I, I thought one of the biggest changes I saw from year one to year two was just the overall physicality and the, the strength improvement. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how, I mean, like I don't need every detail, but the process of implementing your strength program and developing that weight room culture at Xenia? Yeah, so the weight room is, is, is huge for me uh, for a lot of reasons because that kind of sets the tone I feel like for your team, and there's a direct correlation between the the level of work uh, that goes on in that room uh, to what you do out on the field. Uh, it has to be essential. Um, I've never been around a football team 
in my life that has not uh, been able to take the mindset uh, and take the traits that you get and the strength gains that you get from the field and then make it applicable to what they're doing on the field. Um, for me, you know, having my degree in exercise science um, and then being uh, the strength coach when I came out of high school, uh, one of the things that I learned or the methodology that comes from for me is Westside Barbell. So shouts out to uh, Louis Simmons, rest in peace. Uh, I was fortunate enough that I got a chance to work with Chuck Vogelpool, who is my my uh, college football coach, Dave Tanner. That's his uh, brother. So we had actually, I actually got them to come out to college and actually work with them. And the style of training and the methodology of training for me is where that stems from as far as my background and understanding of how to uh, work a periodization and how to put together um, different uh, mesocycles and things of that nature um, to get us ready to go out and perform. So that's kind of where it comes from. Um, if you know anything about Westside Barbell, those cats are crazy. Uh, gritty, you know, it's not a nice gym, very small, uh, you know, and it's all about the work and all about toughness and grit. Uh, and that's just kind of the same kind of mindset that we have uh, when we're in the weight room as well. Uh, building that toughness, building that physical and mental toughness, getting our kids to just work and um, focus on all the little things and do it the right way. Uh, obviously, there are um, definitely some science behind what we do. We spent a couple of days doing dynamic training, which has to deal with speed of movement. And then we have other days where we work on uh, maximal effort stuff, which has to deal with our recruitment of major muscle groups um, and working on that kind of stuff. So pairing that together with the proper periodization, proper rest times, proper intervals, uh, changing the different exercises and all the little details and things that we, uh, we pride ourselves in. And we've been able to have a lot of success uh, in the weight room because of that. Now, I mean, continue there. We, we talked, me and you talked a lot in the offseason last year, um, and we talked a lot about hiring. Um, when you're looking, I mean, and part of that is, I mean, you, you made some changes last year, but also, I mean, you had one of your assistants get the head, a head coaching job. And um, so when you're, when you're, what is the process for you when you're looking to hire new assistants? Um, I think for me, and this is what I've learned, uh, Hiring assistant coaches is less about the resume, more about the fit. I've learned that more than anything. There's a lot of smart football coaches. There's a lot of guys that know um, a lot about, you know, from a schematic standpoint, offense, defense. But if they don't fit your culture, they don't fit your staff dynamic, um, those things can be very problematic. You know what I mean? Like not everybody has to be a chief. You've got to have some soldiers in that room. You got to have some people that believe in you, understand your vision. And I have a thought process that if I give you a clear understanding of what my vision is, then I would need you as an assistant to not only help me carry that out, but then support what's being said. I always say as a, as a head coach, you're very vulnerable because you have to trust that those 10, 11 men in that room Regardless whether they like what you say or not, they got to trust you and they got to support what you're saying. Like they they carry out, you know, a lot of the duties that you have. Like if, I don't think you're a good head, good head coach if you don't delegate things. Mm -hmm. I think about my first year, I was absolutely exhausted because I did not do a great job of delegating things, you know, to my staff. And I have a great staff. I got great 
Uh, I have a great mixture of uh, seasoned guys, uh, guys who've been coaching 20, 30 years, real, real very uh, well respected in our in our profession. And I got some young guys too who are very ambitious and want to grind and, and want to be head coaches. So I think that mix of seasoned and uh, having some youth is good. Um, but to me, it's, it's, it's about do you fit what we want with the program? Do you fit um, with the staff dynamic? Um, you know, can you get along? Are you going to be able to do all the little things uh, that are required to be a great assistant? I think that's just something for me when I look at hiring and when I've gone over stuff like that, I've really taken a look at. Good. I, I mean, I also want to, so we're going to kind of hit on some other things you do, but I, first thing I'll ask you, because I saw one, they got posted all of your door to CDC, but I also saw when I watched one of your games, the the Jim Place talked about him a little bit during, I think I was watching a West Carrollton game on YouTube uh, from Friday or Thursday night, whatever lights it was, and the tombstones and kind of why and where that came from. <laughs> um, well, I, I'll say this. We, we pride ourselves in being physical, uh, running the football defensively, uh, being able to be physical at the point of attack, you know, getting 11 hats to the football. Um, and it's just uh, it's so funny to ask that question. <laughs> so it's, it's one of the things I just, I say to the kids, um, kind of a little pump up thing I say to them. I always say, you know, um, when uh, when people come to Xenia, you know, they come in on a bus, they leave in a bag. And when the corner come fix the body up, what's the last thing you tell them to do? They yell out, zip them up. So that's just a little pump up I do with the kids and just something that uh, we take pride in, that, that we want to dominate our opponent. And we don't want to give you an opportunity to think that you got a chance to, to have any success. Uh, playing us I'm, I'm sure many football teams feel that way but mm -hmm. it's just it's just a mantra that we have it's a thought process it's an attitude it's something that we uh that we take a lot of pride in so we're going to be physical we we, we want to punish you within within the confines of the game we're not going to do anything dirty but we want to we want to get after you you know uh yeah. especially defensively we want to get after you they they call themselves soul takers so that's where that uh whole body bags and toe tags thing kind of comes into play. So uh, uh, going to, uh, my next two are, are some things you do in the off season that I I've stolen one of them before. Um, we, and we've talked about before. For, for the first one is your mom's night. Um, like, I think that's because I think you do, you also do a really good job with community stuff. Um, do you want to talk about, I mean, cause you've done, I think you did that back when you were at CJ as well, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. uh, kind of, the, the thought process and kind of the benefits, not only for your program, but for your mothers that you, you do on mom's night. Gotcha. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a big component of, you know, your community has to know that you're invested in your kids. Uh, they have to know that um, it's bigger than football. Uh, and when they understand that there becomes more buy-in to you and to your program and what you're trying to get accomplished. So, you know, doing little things like that throughout the, the year uh, in the off season uh, means more than what you know, you know, like uh, you need all the support you that you that you can get, whether you're winning or losing. So um, just having parent buy in is important. So we do um, a mom's camp. Uh, so how that works is, you know, we have all our moms, freshmen through senior come. Uh, we do like a little continental breakfast for them. 
Uh, I do some kind of talk just to kind of explain to them just about the program, just little stuff that we try to teach their sons and, and how we want them to be uh, great men and be the best version of themselves. Uh, that stuff's important to us. Um, so we explain that. Uh, we also do a PowerPoint of going over an offensive play, which for us is God's favorite play, which is power. So we kind of explain to our parents what power is, how it's ran. Um, then after that, uh, we go over our defense a little bit, just the basic anatomy of our defense, what it looks like. And then from there, uh, we transition outside. We actually send our moms through uh, individual drills, small skelly period. And we line up in team and they actually get an opportunity to run, um, you know, the plays that we talked about and they get a chance to see what their kids do. So if your son plays quarterback, you know, your sons go ahead and give them signals and, and running concepts and, and, and throwing quick game, throwing RPOs. Uh, if your son's offensive lineman, it looks like you're going to be pulling or you're going to be gap down backer, right? You know what I mean? So uh, they get an opportunity to do that. Defensively, they line up in the defense. They run a couple stunts. They run a couple blitzes. Uh, they line up in the coverage and stuff like that. And at the end of each practice, I do a quote of the day. I do a quote of the day with the moms and uh, we send them uh, out on their way. And it's a, it's a really, really, really good experience for them. Uh, they don't get that chance to play football with their son. They don't get a chance to be out there. So it's a very memorable time uh, for them. Um, so it's something that we're, we, uh, we take a lot of pride and we're happy about it. So. Now, on top of that, you also do a dad's clinic. Do you want to talk about that as well? Because I think, again, you hit both sides of the family dynamic there. Yeah. Um, so dad's clinic uh, is uh, just a tad bit different uh, than mom's camp. Mom's camp's got the got the fluff. And like I said, we got pictures. And we got door prizes, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. Whereas uh, dad's camp, a dad's clinic is really just about football. Uh, we're on the board, you know, we got film up the entire time. We're really trying to answer questions because I always say, you know, the more informed your parents are, the less uh, sometimes uh, confusion they have. Um, so for if you're someone sitting in the stands, you know, you at least can know what we're doing and what, uh, what we're at least what we're trying to do, at least have a concept and understanding of what we're trying to do from a conceptual standpoint. So, uh, they come, they come in, we pretty much go over offense and defense. We give them an opportunity to ask questions. And that one's always very fun uh, because, you know, once they learn what you do and you go over it, you know, they're kind of like, oh, I didn't know that that's what you guys were doing. I didn't know that uh, when you run this play, this is what this means. Or this didn't work because of this or that. So the fact that we're able to get them to understand what we're doing helps us and helps them kind of get more on board um, with the program and get on board with what we're trying to get accomplished. Okay. And then I have two more questions for you. Um, I think there, one is, a, is more of a personal question. One is kind of one other thing you do. I, I think, and me and you've talked about summer competition stuff before, and me and you both approach it a tad bit different, but you break your kids up into houses um, mm -hmm. in the off season and you do a whole point system and who gets what part of the locker room and and all that and, and we've talked about that in detail and kind of obviously there's rewards for who finished first and consequences and so forth how do you approach the because everybody's got a little bit different spin on it how do you approach the off-season competition and developing the cult and how that develops your culture for your team gotcha 
Well, you you kind of touched on it. It all goes back to that house system. It always goes back to that off season, that weight room, just le- learning uh, and building that culture of just toughness, grit, and competition. Um, so we break our kids up, like you said, in houses. Uh, they act, we actually do a house draft. Um, so kids get dressed up. You know, we pick the captains for each house, and then they actually draft them like the NFL draft. We have a little card. We have a commissioner. We got the music in the background. Uh, and those kids get picked not because you're a good football player. Those kids get picked based on their grades, their attendance, um, how much you know, how much they're in the weight room, uh, their their uh, participation in the study table. You know, all that kind of stuff plays uh, in in the role of getting drafted. Um, throughout the summer, we are consistently working on competitions, uh, whether it be a physical competition, uh, we're doing like a tug of war. Uh, any a running competition, agility stuff. Anytime we get an opportunity to compete, we compete. Uh, another thing that we do uh, to try to kind of break up the monotony and kind of transfer that into practice is we do a drill called sudden change. Um, love sudden change. Sudden change is great. Um, so it could be literally in the middle of practice. Doesn't matter what we're doing. Doesn't matter what we're talking about. You could be an indie. You could be in team. You could be doing a special team. Doesn't matter. If I blow the whistle and I yell sudden change, it's first team offense, it's first team defense. We put the ball wherever, we make a situation, and then you got to go score. Um, and that just breeds competition. You know, that breeds our kids to get excited. Like, hey, it's go time. Ball's down. You know, defensive coaches are on the sideline. Offensive coaches are on the sideline. You know, I, I'm the referee during that time. Um, and we go get after it. We go get after it and, and make it a team versus team kind of deal. And then it allows your kids to see how they respond. Sometimes offense is backed up on R10. And we got to go drive 90 yards, you know. Sometimes we're on the positive 10. Going in defense, you got to stop us. Sometimes it's fourth down on the one-yard line. Sometimes it's, you know, a minute and 15. We're on the 50-yard line with no timeouts. Like, so not only are you breeding competition, but you're also getting your kids prepared for situational football. You know, so that's why I like it. I like it even more. If you're breeding competition, it's something brand new, is fast. Because think about it. Think of how many games you've been in. You get an interception. Boom. You got to refocus. Your kids out got to refocus, go back out there, they got to go play. You just threw a pick or you just fumbled or whatever. Sudden change, defense is back on the field, right? And you got to go out. You got to refocus your mind and get back and get back to lock in and, and deliver. Um, so, I just think that stuff's important. Uh, and that's that's just my biggest thing is doing, like I said, those physical competitions and then like doing sudden change as the, as the season goes on. It, it really ties into um, their grades, how much you spend uh, in study table, positive reports from teachers. That kind of stuff becomes very, very, very uh, important in terms of the house points. Now, last question I have for you um is and um you played for Jim Place um mm-hmm. you have a very good relationship with Jim obviously I mean that's no secret I mean he you have him speak to your team I mean anywhere from one to three times a year um and then obviously I've interviewed Coach Place on here and done an ad for him because obviously he does some great uh culture and leadership development through the uh I believe it's the University of Dayton um he does a lot of good things in our football community as well I mean 
he's still very actively involved in our local association and mm-hmm. doing, doing a lot of different things. Um, do you want to kind of talk about kind of the lessons you've learned from Jim and kind of making sure he's still involved, especially like in your program? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a little biased, but I'm going to just say Jim Place is probably uh, the best coach in Southwest Ohio, if not all of Ohio. Um, coach Place is one of the main reasons why I became a coach. You know, he made such an impact on me um, as a player and as a person that it made me say to myself, I want to be like that guy. I want to be able to inspire. I want to be able to give kids uh, that positive role model and be able to be there for them so that they have somebody to look up to uh, and do it through this great game, you know, that we get opportunity to be a part of. Um, The biggest thing that Coach Place taught us uh, is about character. I mean, he has those character cards that he always talks about. We used to fill those out every single week, you know, about our goals. And that's why I feel like I am the way I am now as far as goal setting and being ambitious because it was ingrained. It was something that was taught um, to me uh, to have goals, have small goals each week, uh, work on those things so that you can get to where you want to be and be successful and um, to never give up and never make excuses and uh, stay locked in and focused anytime that you can be so. I owe a lot and I'm forever indebted to that man. That's why it's so important for me um, to get him to come back and speak to our team because I know how much uh, guidance, I know how much wisdom he dropped on me at their age and how that stuff stayed with me. You know, I, I always say I wish I I wish to my kids I could be like what Coach Place and what Marcus Colvin, you know, my, my college coach, I, I want to have the kind of impact that they had on me as a person. Um, to the football players that I get an opportunity to be in their lives. So uh, Jim Place is great, um, and I'm I'm fortunate and lucky that I got an opportunity to have him in my life, not only as a coach, but just as a person. You know, uh, we lost our playoff game. One of the first phone calls I got was from Coach Place. You know, just a check on me. So asked me how I was doing. Uh, when I first got the job at Xenia, Coach Place called. Uh, when... <laughs> When I was coming, when I was doing, finishing up my second year in college, because uh, I always knew I wanted to be a high school coach, and I said, if I ever get the opportunity, I want to be a high school head coach. That's one of my goals. Um, you know, when I was uh, finishing up my second year, trying to figure things out, you know, <laughs> whose house do I go sit in the basement and try to figure it out but him? So he's always been there for me. I know he loves me. I definitely love him. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just thankful. Um, just to have him in my life, uh, have him be able to guide me and give me what's needed. So also same that same sentiment should be said for Marcus Colvin as well. So uh known Marcus, you know, since I was 14. So uh, he taught me. I played for him and I coached for him. Um, and then now got, like I said, got the opportunity. I got at Xenia, but definitely for forever indebted to him as well. Because uh, Marcus is the person who taught me how to, this is how you run a program. Like, if you want to be successful, you know, this is how you run a program. Yeah. And then I credit my I credit my college coach, Dave Tater, for the schematics of the game. So, you know, how to how to prep, how to prepare, how to make adjustments. Um, you know, I, that, that goes to Dave. So shout out to him as well. Okay. Well, coaches, uh, give Coach 
Mo a follow on Twitter. Uh, his Twitter bio will be in the um, show notes underneath here, whether you're listening to audio or the video version. Um, and other than that, like, share, subscribe, check out the sponsors, affiliates, uh, whatever's listed down there below. Um, and then that was in our episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast.